guys. Good morning. You can have a seat. Hey, listen, so uh, what I want to talk to you about today is zero reflection on our band this morning, but I want to talk to you today about how to worship when the music sucks. Uh, because the cold hard truth is sometimes it really does. And sometimes you're just not in the mood, right? Sometimes it's a song you don't like, it's not your style. Or you're tired, or you got stuff on your mind, right? Your, your, your flow is interrupted in some kind of matter. For whatever reason, you're just not really there today. We've all been there, haven't we? I want to talk to you about that today, because what I find often happens in, in those times that all of us inevitably face is that this gift called worship that God has given us, um, is something that's meant to benefit us, ends up becoming a focal point rather than a means to something. You, you know what I mean by this? And, and what we do is we, we, we start to, to polarize over it. You know, you know, you're like, it's way too loud. And you're like, well, no, that's so soft. Why can't they amp it up? And you're like, it's too, it's too rock and roll. And you're like, it's too easy listening. And, and you're griping because like, why can't there be more hymns? And you're like, why do we always have to stay rooted in the old stuff? And, and that which God has built that's designed to bring us together is something that often ends up splitting our, 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 our community apart, but even our own souls in an individual way. And before we realize it, what I, find out, what I found out is that we often become dependent on all these external kinds of things. The volume, the style, the chord progressions, the sound, who's singing what, who's doing what, and all the emotional states that I'm bringing today. And we start becoming dependent on that. Focusing on things like how it makes me feel or what it does to me instead of focusing on what I'm choosing to do with it. This approach to worship is not biblical. It is not the way of Jesus, and it's arguable, whether it's even worship at all. And a lot of times I've got to be honest, I wonder if God looks at what we do in the name of worship, whether it's as cruddy in quality as can be, or as uplifting and professional as can be, and just weeps. Weeps because we're focusing on the wrong things and utterly missing the point. Now, what we're going to be doing this month of September is really taking a hard look at how Jesus tells us to approach our relationship with God. And worship is one of these key ways that we approach God. And what we're going to be doing today is really digging into this and giving you how-tos when it comes to worship to take us out of this passive mindset about what it does to me and restore it to what God always intended it to be to begin with. Now, at its core... Worship is about ascribing worth to God, period. It's saying, God, this is who you are, and this is what you mean to me. Not because he's a junkie for praise, not because he needs it, simply because it's the right thing 
to do. It's a way that we get to say, God, it's not about me. It's about you. You matter. And I love you. There's a a phrase I want to show you here today. It's a way that I like to describe worship. And the way I like to put it is this. Worship is like a kiss. It is a moment of embrace between God and his lover. That's you. Sometimes it is intense and passionate. Sometimes it's conversational. Sometimes it's playful. It should never be perfunctory or by the book. It should not be forced or manipulated. It's wonderful to anticipate, delightful when it's surprising. It both gives and receives. It expresses and generates love. It is an alluring, seductive moment that yearns for a consummation soon to come. I want to tell you something this morning. And every morning that you gather in a place like this, what God is doing is he's leaning in. He's leaning in for that sweet embrace. He's leaning in for the kiss. Have you ever done that, though, and been rebuffed? We have to do this by a show of hands, all right? (laughs) Who has ever made the move to find themselves kissing air, right? Five honest people. God bless you. It is, the, it, is it not the most angst-ridden, terrifying moment in any relationship? You know, when the relationship is new and you like them, you like her, but it's that terror of going, do they like me? What will they do? And then, quite honestly, can we just be blunt? Am I any good? Or are they going to laugh at me? It is the most terrifying thing for people in new relationships, especially especially in new relationships. More terrifying, I think, for people than death or public speaking. What is going to happen when I lean in for the kiss? Guys, God is leaning in for the kiss. And I promise you this, he is not going to laugh at you, no matter how bad a kisser you happen to be. And he is certainly not going to talk about you behind your back to his friends. (laughs) But I wonder, how many times is God leaning in? And we leave him hanging there, kissing the air, rebuffed. With the emotional trauma and the agony that we've all experienced. Well, that five of you have experienced (laughs) oh so well. Leaving him hanging there going, I love you. And we're like, well, I'm just not in the mood. Or the minor chords aren't really speaking to me. You know what I mean? See, I know there's a lot of you here who have never really been kissed. You've seen people kiss. You've watched it on TV. You've come to church and see people kissing all around you. But you're still living in this place of fear because you've never really been, because you've never taken the moment to take and make the move to meet God where he's at while you're leaning in. What I want to do, actually, this morning is teach you how to kiss. 
And I want you to rise for this, because, man, we'll get ourselves in less trouble if we're standing up. Every time, every time, I think I can honestly say, every time we gather to worship here at Fellowship of Faith, there's some kind of singing that's taking place. And I remember what it was like before I learned how to kiss. You sit there like looking around going, are they like watching me kiss? Because there's really nothing more awkward, is there, than other people watching your sweet embrace? Sitting there going, do they hear me? Do they see me? Are they critiquing me? What if I'm no good? What if they hear me? What if I make strange noises? What if I salivate on the person in front of me? I want to teach you how to kiss today. See, for a lot of us, it's just learning to find our voice. And you have one, and God has given it to you, and it is beautiful because he gave it to you, no matter how much it sounds like screaming cats in your own ears. But it's learning to get away from speaking the words to singing the words. How many of you for years still sing like this? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And you kind of like talking the words. I want to do a simple exercise with you today teach you to go from talking to singing. What if I was to go like this instead? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Now, it's still not that good, but it's a lot better than what I was doing. I want to teach you how to match pitch with me. I'm going to give you a note, and I want you to sing it with me, even those of you who are bad kissers here today. Ready? Ah. Uh, now match a second note. Ah. Uh, you can do it. Now, Neil is a heck of a lot better kisser than I am. <laughs> and he's going to take it the rest of the way. Uh, I'm not sure what information he, where he gathered that where he's pulling that from but <laughs> I appreciate that nonetheless uh, so so Dave gave that metaphor there and it was a tie-in to how kissing is like worship uh, there is going to be no metaphor in what I'm about to say for the next two and a half minutes this is purely going to be how to worship and sing better because right like Dave was saying if our fear of our inability to sing is inhibiting us from worshiping then that's no good right uh, so outside of match and pitch which is obviously pretty important for you and the people around you when you're worshiping. Um, the next most important thing to singing and worshiping well is having good breath support. Uh, proper breath support is going to help you sing higher, lower, stronger, whatever. So I was in choir from the time I was like five until I graduated high school. So whatever, those 13 years. Um, and so I've gotten this drilled into me again and again and again, and it's still difficult sometimes. So uh, there's a picture that's going to be pulled up here. So um, when we breathe in, air goes into our lungs mechanically, but the lungs are not what's necessarily like the muscle operating that function. That's actually the diaphragm. So you can see the diaphragm there uh, sits underneath the lungs in there in the rib cage. Um, but so the issue is that most of us are actually breathing incorrectly. Uh, my guess is if I told you guys to take a deep breath, the way you take a deep breath would be... <sighs> And you'd like go up on your tiptoes a little bit. But the issue, like you see the diaphragm can't expand that way. Like there's stuff up there. So what you're trying to do when you do that is you're trying to like expand your rib cage, which by the way is the thing that doesn't expand. And you're like trying to artificial cre artificially create space up here, which again, just doesn't work. Uh, so the way to take an actual good, real deep breath is to like fill up your stomach because we got all this space. Some of us have a lot of space down here, right? That we can fill up. So when we breathe, it's not... 
but it's rather, and we fill out this way. Uh, so we're going to do some breathing exercises in a second. Uh, but just as important as taking the air in is putting it out properly. Um, so a lot of times you can like take the good breath, but then just kind of like relax and you lose most of it. Um, there was a metaphor my choir director in high school gave. I said it was like a duck gliding across a lake. On the surface, if you're watching a singer, they just look like they're kind of effortlessly singing. Um, unless you watch me sometimes and I have veins popping out, um, <laughs> which is not necessarily the right way to be doing that. Um, but you see this duck gliding across the lake. What you can't see, though, is under the surface, the legs are furiously paddling to try to keep it afloat and propel it forward. In the same way, under the surface, our core is super engaged and we're flexing the core, our glutes, everything in this region is flexing to properly push the air out. Uh, if we do this right, again, this is going to help us sing higher, it's going to help us sing lower, it's going to help us sing for longer periods of time without passing out. Uh, so what I want to do right now is we're going to take big deep breaths in again from the stomach and we're going to push it out. So we're going to hold it in for eight counts and I'll be counting those out and then we're going to push it out. But again, if I see shoulders, we're going to have to do it again, okay? So doing it from the stomach. Okay, so ready? You're going to breathe. Uh, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You want to be sure you're breathing in for the entire eight counts and out. Not like in for one, two, three, and then kind of like holding my breath for five counts, but breathe in constantly. One more time. Uh, one, two, three, four. In, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eh, that was pretty good. So that's breath support. So this is going to help you in like every song you sing ever, whether it's right in your range or whether it's not. Uh, and so, um, so keep that in mind. Uh, this next song, though, I chose it in a key that is hopefully pretty appropriate and accessible for everyone. So especially middle-aged men who have never had your first kiss yet, I'm looking at you especially. Um, this should be a lot easier than what you might be used to. Like the highest it goes is that note. Uh, that's like one step higher than where Dave was having us match pitch at. So you guys can hit that note. Uh, so this song is actually, it's from like before I was born. Uh, so sorry if I'm dating you guys a little bit. This is from 1994. Um, <laughs> I know. So, wow, that's old. Maybe not. <laughs> some hurt responses there. Um, but so since I know you guys are high achievers, we're not just going to be focusing on breath support. You're also going to have parts to hold. So there's going to be a guy part and a girl part. And so again, guys, our part is so much easier. It's like our part is half the length of the girl part. And again, it's it's easy, so you can do it, I promise. But if you don't do it, then the girls are one going to be showing us up and also it'll just be uncomfortable and you won't hear it. So we can enter into this knowing that there is grace enough for us and our failures and our inability to sing properly, our inability to hold apart, and an inability to kiss properly. But um, right through that, what we should be doing is focusing on and worshiping God. Um, so when we get there, I'll call out the first time we do the chorus, it'll be just the guys. Girls, feel free to sing along with the guys' part. Then we'll repeat, go back, we'll sing the girls' part. Uh, guys, sing along with the girls' part. Uh, but then we'll actually put them together. So hopefully it's not too cacophonous, but rather a beautiful harmony. And there'll be some imagery in there. Again, if it sucks, that's all right. Uh, uh, so yeah, with that, let's continue in worship. Sing, you are holy. You are holy. You are mighty. You are mighty. 
You know, I'll tell you, for a lot of you, that might have been like a first time. And I'm just telling you, God's in heaven right now with the angels going, man, that was hot. You know? Way to go on that. Way to step out. Way to have the courage to lean in. Because that's really what it's about. The courage to lean in. Now, anyone who's ever had their first kiss or many more will tell you it's not just what you say, it's what you do. And I have found in worship that there is a deep and intimate connection between what I do with my entire self, my physical body, and my soul. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was even just last week, about how I've been forcing myself to pray from my knees on a daily basis again because I found that there's something in the posture that brings something out or brings me in or connects me more intentionally. Worship moves beyond just singing the song and what you do with your voice. It's what you do with your hands, your eyes, your knees, your feet. It's what you do with all that's within you because body and soul, like it or not, they are connected it's fascinating. There was all this research not too long ago. was the second most po- popular TED Talk in 2012 about body posture and confidence. The talk revolved primarily about what was called the Superman pose. Have you heard about this? You're going into a big meeting. You're going to close the deal. You're going into something where you need confidence, but you don't feel like you have it. You know what they would tell people to do? Go to some private place, because it looks weird if people see you. Go to some private place, strike a pose, Superman it. I am strong, and it's so goofy. But you know what I found? It works. And I find it works in worship as well. There are so many times where I've been in a place Singing even but afraid of my voice. Singing but not engaged. Realizing something more must be done. I got to strike a pose. There's a classic joke that's true of virtually every denomination. The Lutheran version goes like this. Do you know how you can pick out a Lutheran? They sing stand up, stand up for Jesus sitting down. <laughs> Came across this Babylon Bee article. It's fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We sing these words like stand up, stand up for Jesus. We, we, we sing words like, like I'll stand with, with arms high and hearts abandoned. Like this. Now, I understand these are metaphors. Standing up for Jesus is fundamentally a metaphor. Raising our hands is fundamentally a metaphor. But you know what else I found? Metaphors don't make any sense unless we already understand their physical antecedents. If we don't actually understand physically or have experienced physically what the metaphor is drawing on, the metaphor is fundamentally lost. Which leads to our second tutorial of how to worship today. 
And I'd like to show you a brief video that I think will do a slightly better job than me in this. So why don't you kill the lights and uh, guys, take a look. And I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know. Anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Anybody here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> Some of you are trying. You're like, I can't. I want to, I need to get some momentum. <laughs> totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. we got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're my church, music is rocking, start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle. Get warmed up. Get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. Got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go, there's your big three. You're set. So we're going to get you physically in the game here today, all right? Guys, I need you to stand up. I want you to take your right hand, and I want you to go like this. Okay, good job, good job. I'm going to take your left hand, I want you to go like this. Okay, is anyone kind of doing this right now? Left deodorant, left deodorant, right? I want you to take both hands and go like this. You can do it. You can do it. Now, we're going to sing a song. What I want you to do is pick your pose. <laughs> Strike a pose. Maybe it's one hand, maybe it's this hand, maybe it's both hands up, maybe you are doing Mufasa, maybe it is baby, or lying about the fish. I don't care. Strike a pose. Maybe you even want to get on your knees. Maybe you want to prostrate on the ground. Maybe someone's like crowd surfing, but I don't care. Whatever it is, strike a pose. Experiment. And know that with everyone else doing it around you, you don't stand out as awkwardly alone. 
See how physicality and spirituality connect. And through the song, lose yourself to it. Yeah, you won't lose yourself to it the whole time. You'll come back. But every time you do, no, God, I'm ascribing worth to you. It's intentional. I feel like a moron. But I love you. And you're worth it. And I'm giving you my whole self today. See how it goes. You stood before creation. Eternity in your head. You spoke the earth into motion. My soul now to Of the one who gave 
stand my soul Lord to you surrendered all I am is yours so I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all so I'll stand my soul That, uh, that start to hit the rotator cuff a little bit in there? You know, can I ask you, though? At some level, isn't it just better when you engage? I know some of you are like, no way, right? And I know where you're at. I know where you're at. I know where you're at when you're in that place when the emotions are still tearing you apart inside because you're not someone who emotes. God has gifted you with emotions and he wants them to share them with you and you to share them with him. Kissing is more fun when you use your hands. Now, I want to talk to you about a. Uh, <laughs> something I've seen a lot of. Pe- people will come to me, and they mean it in the best intentions. They'll come to me after a time of worshiping together, especially when it was good. And they'll just be like, man, you know, God really spoke to me in that third song. Or more pointed. You know, I really felt the Spirit move at fill in the blank. 
which is really just a translation of saying, I got into it at this point, or I liked the chord progression that connects with my emotional state and that can bring me to X place. You know what? I don't knock that that's a gift of God, but it isn't the spirit of God. Because see, the spirit is on the move whether you feel him or not. Whether you feel him or not, he is active and alive and moving and doing something regardless of whether there's engagement. Connecting to the spirit is not about how you feel. It's about something so different and so much more. So what I want to do is, is share with you briefly as we're building through this today, learning to find our voice, learning to, to, to bring in our body position. What I want to talk to you about now is how to tap the spirit regardless of what you might be feeling. And it's two simple things. The first is this, focus on the right thing. If you were looking to tap what the spirit is doing, focus on the spirit and not what you feel. Oh, I know this will be hard because they become so synonymous for so many of us. But focus on ascribing worth to God no matter what you feel. So many of us equate worship to joy or happiness or emotional experience or catharsis. No, these are good things, but they are not what worship is about. And I have found that just like happiness, worship is best when it's a means, not an end. Have you ever found this with happiness? People who seek happiness as their primary goal rarely find it. No, happiness is a byproduct. It's a byproduct of seeking deeper things, transcendent things, more important things. And as we do, happiness is often thrown in to boot. Worship is the same way. If, if our purpose in coming into worship is to feel something, it often remains elusive and we often say disengage. But if we seek God saying, no matter what I feel, honor, glory, power, and might, I ascribe to you. The irony is, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, emotion is thrown into boot. When you worship, focus on the right thing. And that leads to number two. Engage. No matter what. But I don't feel it. It doesn't matter. Engage. I don't want to. I know. It doesn't matter. Engage. I don't like that style. I know. It doesn't matter. Engage. I don't know the song. I know. It doesn't matter. Engage. The secret to worshiping God and tapping and connecting with the Spirit is stepping away from feelings and focusing on giving God worth and actually doing it. No matter what. Now we've got another song today and it's one that I bet a lot of you don't know. We intentionally chose it for this reason. As we fight through this today, 
Focus on ascribing worth to God through the words in any conceivable way and force yourself to engage. Throw yourself in the ring all in and actually tell God what he's worth. So let's rise and sing.
have a seat. We're going to commune today. And my experience has been that when I say that, what it often translates to for most of us is good seventh inning stretch. You know, I can kind of sit back, chat with my spouse or my, my friend sitting next to me, kind of stretch it out a little bit, don't you? At, at communion time. I mean, yeah, you come up when the usher greets you up, but it's really kind of just that, whew, because oftentimes the music isn't going on. Because oftentimes I think we make the mistake of equating worship to music. And it's not the same thing. Worship can be expressed in music, but it's so much more. Worship is praying, contemplating. It could be chanting or speaking. It can be listening. Worship can be a body posture before God. Worship can be serving. Worship is fasting. Worship is giving. Worship is confessing. Worship is so much more. We do music because it makes it easy for us. And for those of us who are still learning how to kiss, it gives us a way to kind of draw us in and engage. But at some point, learning how to worship when the music isn't there is essential in our approach to God. Neil is going to take us through a few exercises in silence meaning musical silence as we commune. But I'd like to lead the way with this. Can you just close your eyes today? Now when I do this, I like to kind of hunker in a little bit. I kind of armadillo shell. That hurts your neck, don't. But it puts me in a certain frame of mind. Put yourself in a posture of subservience, submission to God. Closing my eyes helps because I'm no longer paying attention to what everyone else is doing around me and it's me and him. Bring yourself there today. As we get ready to commune, examine yourself. Examine your relationship with God. Tell him what you need in these next few moments. Confess your sins. Share your guilt. Tell him about your shame. Ask him for forgiveness. Receive it. Ascribe glory and honor and worth to his name.
we share this meal to remember what Jesus did. To remember that on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, broke it and shared it with his friends and gave it to them and said, take and eat my body. I give myself to you. To remember that he took a cup gave thanks and gave it to them and shared it with them and said, drink of this, you as well. This is my blood, I pour it out for you. For the forgiveness of all your sins. That's why we do what we do here today. The worship team is going to lead us in a style of scripture meditation called Lectio Divina. Uh, we'll be reading from Mark 1, verses 9 through 13, and we'll be reading it three separate times. As we read, pay attention to any words or phrases uh, that may be jumping out at you. Lectio is a great way through which the Spirit often reveals things to us in scripture. So between repetitions of this passage, really reflect, pray, and ask God what he's revealing to you. Once we finish Lectio, uh, the Puritan prayer Dave mentioned last week will be back on the projector screens. Just meditate and pray over it as you're led for the remainder of communion. Let's pray. God, we love you. This time is yours, and we pray that we are just palpably aware of your goodness and your presence and your love. Reveal things to us this day. Amen. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Together, before we break, there's one last song that we're going to sing. We've intentionally stripped the music away. You don't need it. 
take the how-tos that we've talked about today. Leverage them. Have the courage to engage. Involve yourself. Focus on God through this and meet him there no matter what. And whether the silence of instrumentation or a melody in your mind, ascribe to him the worth of the great God he is. I invite you to rise.
I want to thank you all again for engaging in worship this morning in ways that were certainly incredibly different from what we're accustomed to here. Uh, we've got one last stretch with communion or with, uh, with offering coming up, excuse me, uh, one last stretching exercise uh, that I'm really excited about. So we're about to take our offering, uh, but it's most likely going to be really different from what you're used to. Uh, but before I get into that, I want to let you know that if you're visiting with us this morning, <laughs> what a morning you picked to visit, number one. Uh, but also, we're so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, just let that offering plate pass you by. Um, but so whether you've been worshiping or whether you're visiting with us for the first, second time this morning, or you've been a member here for decades, uh, just take a moment as I'm talking to fill out that connection card that you sat in and just pass that in the offering plate as it comes by. Um, so uh, why don't ushers come forward? Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what we're going to do in the offering before we get started. Uh, so I was involved in my undergraduate career at uh, the University of Illinois in an organization called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and I actually now work for them full time. Uh, InterVarsity is part of a global movement called IFES, the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students, made up of hundreds of other organizations doing what InterVarsity is doing on college campuses across the world. Um, and one of the organizations that we've had an opportunity to partner with down at the U of I is called SCOM, the Student Christian Organization of Malawi. So if you want to put up the next picture, Malawi is a small, small country in Africa about the size geographically of Illinois. Uh, but Malawi is actually one of the third poorest countries in the world. Uh, what's so crazy and awesome is that through U of I, we have the opportunity to like send teams over there to help them out with their college ministry in, in Malawi. And it's not like you would think a traditional mission trip is, because uh, it's not doing like building houses or things like that, but truly it's there to learn from the people of Malawi and to really just like help bless the ministry that's going on there. One of the things, there are so many differences, uh, whether like time abundant versus uh, time scarce people, uh, that's very different. So time abundant o over there. Uh, but the offering is also incredibly different. Here at FOF, we do the offering during announcements typically. Uh, in other churches, especially some other Lutheran churches, the offering is going to be this uh, reverent solemn, which is good, sometimes painful, not good thing. Um, and, and the way they do it in Malawi could not be more different. It's still equally good, but the offering there is an act of celebratory worship. People are singing, people are dancing, and again, this is in the third poorest country in the world. Uh, the way they would do the offering is you put a basket at the front of the room and people are just dancing up to the basket and they'll drop their offering in there and they're singing and they're praising God and they're so grateful uh, for what God has blessed them with and they are so happy to then bless others with that gift as well. Uh, so during the offering, don't worry, I can see the looks of horror. I'm not going to make you jump up here. <laughs> the ushers are already there. I showed my hand a bit there. Um, but we will be celebrating in a way that's probably very uncomfortable for us. Uh, we're going to be singing a song called Palibe and this song is actually actually sung all over Africa in a bunch of different languages, Swahili, uh, but this version we're actually singing in Chichewa, which is the language of the people of Malawi. So half the song is going to be English, that part you'll know, half is in Chichewa. Don't worry about the difficulty of the words, the language is super phonetic, so if you like, that looks like that's probably, that's probably right. Um, and basically the meaning of the entire song, again we'll sing the English later so you'll get into it, but the meaning is just saying there's no one, there is no one like Jesus. Uh, and because of that we're excited and our offering is an act of worship. Um, so I'm excited to be leading you guys in this. Uh, so ushers, you can begin, but at the same time, guys, why don't we have stand as a congregation and worship and celebrate a good God uh, through music, through dance, if that's what you're into, uh, and through our offering. <laughs> Believe me, oh, 
here. Make sure to catch Hisham talking about dreams and visions at our 1030 study. God bless. Worship deep. We'll see you later.